we have been uh, speaking about the culture of the church. How, how, what should the church look like? How should we conduct ourselves? How, how and what should you see within the church? And, and today I want to talk to you a little bit about abiding in Christ. You say, well, that's not part of the culture of the church. And, and I would say that you're probably right. However, you can't see the true culture of the church until you learn to abide in Christ. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you look at that, that verse in 2 Chronicle, or Corinthians 7.1, Paul talking to the church in Corinth, and, and he said, having these promises that we're the temple of, of God, that we are the holiest of holies, he said, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So we're encouraged to, to look at ourselves as the abiding place of the presence of God. How many of us woke up this morning and looked at ourselves in the mirror and said, man, I am the abiding place of the presence of God? Think about that for a moment. Uh, Chad, when we, when we were gone, Chad did an excellent job and talked about the body of Christ, that we are the body of Christ. And uh, it's amazing that as, as the body of Christ, we all work together. And I, I want to talk a little bit in the next few weeks about how the body of Christ works. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about what we should see in a culture of the church. It changes a little how it looks, how it's presented, but the true culture of the church never changes. There are elements within the church that should never change, that should always be the same. Whether you're in this church, whether you're in the church in France, whether you're the church in England, whether you're the church across the street or across the world, it doesn't matter. If you're in a church that is displaying the true culture of the church, there are elements that, that you should see in every single body of believers. And we're going to talk about those over the next few weeks. This morning I want to talk to you about the effects of abiding in Christ, of being the temple of the Holy Spirit, working and living in harmony with the Spirit of the living God. I know that there are some things that we learn just by observation, and then there are some things that you learn or you see in your kids or grandkids because it's just built in the DNA. If you're a parent, you're a grandparent, or even if you're a child, and sometimes you catch yourself thinking, oh my gosh, I'm acting like my dad. Uh, you ever do that? Uh, now... I ha I, I'm going to confess, I have, uh, it's not really an issue, I haven't sought counseling over it, uh, but I like my socks to fit a certain way. You ever get a sock that has the, 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 the little hem that's in the, by the toe, it just doesn't feel right? You ever do that? So, 
And you try it on, and it doesn't fit, so you take it off. And then in a week or two later, you try it on again, and it still just doesn't fit right, so you have to take it back off. About the third time, I take that sock off, and I rip it, because I don't want to ever try that sock on again. And you say, well, you could give it to a homeless. I would not put that on any homeless person. Socks that don't fit right. Socks that feel weird on your feet. So the other day, my, my daughter, Lauren, called me. and She said, Dad, I can't believe it. She said, your grandson. I said, oh, he must have done something bright. And he said, no, no. He didn't like the way his sock fit, so he ripped it off his foot. You want them to, to get all the good things from you, but in reality, uh, DNA is strong. The way God has created us, the way God has designed us, there is a, there is a pattern within families that, that you can see traits from generation to generation to generation, whether it's physical uh, traits or if it's emotional or, or something to do with your attitude. There, is, there are traits that, that are inherited through our DNA, and as the temple of God, as, as those, that dwelling place of the presence of God, when we, when we receive Christ, the Bible says that we are born again. I want you to think about that for a moment. That's an overused term, but it's, it's very powerful in its essence, that we are born again in in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, he wanted to know, how can a man be born again? Can he enter into his mother's womb the second time and be born? And, and Jesus said, that which is, you have to be born of the water, natural birth, and you have to be born of the spirit, the spiritual birth. We have two distinct spirits within us. You, if you are born again, you have been recreated in Christ. And there is a DNA that comes with that that needs to be developed. That, that will come forth, and it only comes forth in our life when we learn to abide in Christ. Now, what does the word abide mean? Abiding in Christ means dwelling. It means staying with somebody now if you've been married or if you've been in a family of, of more than one you know you know that sometimes living in the same house doesn't mean abiding in the same house because abiding means that you are in communion with you are in relationship with you are in harmony with the people that you're dwelling with I don't know about you but I, I have lived uh, in the same dwelling and haven't abided but just lived coexisted but when the scripture talks about us abiding in Christ what it's referring to is that we are living in harmony with the presence of God within us that that we are not just a separate entity that the Holy Spirit's over here and we're over there, but that we are commuting together, we are in harmony together, we are thinking as one, we are acting as one, we are becoming one. That's what the scripture talks about when it's referring to the being born again. Acts 4, 13, 
says this. It says, and when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The, the apostles had been with Christ for some three and a half years. They walked with him. They talked with him. They, they lived with him. They, they abided together. And after Christ ascended and then the Holy Spirit came and they were born again, there was an abiding that took place within them. And those that around them noted that they were acting like Christ. They were speaking like Christ. They were doing things like Christ. That's where we get the term Christian or little Christ. There is an abiding that can take place within our lives. And if we want to experience the true culture of the church that Christ has established we, as God's people, must realize that there is an abiding within us that must take place. The true culture of the church is, is established and it's seen only through those that abide in Christ. You say, well, can you abide in Christ and, and not exemplify Christ? No. Can you be a Christian and not abide in Christ? Yes. If you really want to see the true culture of the church manifest and grow and develop, it starts in each and every one of us, and it starts in this one concept of, of you and I learning to abide in Him, that we live in Him. That we live and move and have our being in him. That there's no more, Lord, you can follow me wherever I go. But Lord, wherever you lead, I will follow. That there is a changing of the guard. That we allow him to be the Lord of our lives. There's a difference between being Savior and Lord. Savior means he's redeemed us, he's purchased us, he's bought us, he's granted us eternal life. But Lord means ownership. Ownership of all things. You know what I've experienced about walking with Christ? I love that term, walking with Christ. Don't you? Doesn't it sound great, walking with Christ? I, I, I just like that term. I don't like the word bludgeoned, but I do like the word walking with Christ. But when you think about when you're walking with Christ, I don't know why I said that, I just did. Um, but when you're, when you're walking with Christ, it, it, it gives you this picture that you're following him, that you're communing with him, that you're sharing, that you're talking. One of the things that I really did enjoy about the French culture is in a lot of the smaller towns and stuff, when we would go out and visit some of the uh, international workers, that we would have a dinner after uh, after church, everybody would have a dinner. And then it didn't matter how many there were, 5, 10, 15, we'd all go for a walk. And it was really great because you're walking together and you're talking together. And then you're talking with this person for a while. Then you just kind of naturally gravitate and start talking to this other person for a while. And then, you, then you're talking to another person for a while. And then you stop and you see, oh, look, there's some chestnuts on the ground. So you pick up a bunch of chestnuts because 
we have an open fire and we want to roast them. And, and you know, and it's just amazing that when you when you when that scripture talks about that we're walking with Christ, what it's what it's trying to help us understand is that we're living together in harmony with Christ. Here's what the scripture talks about, that when we begin to live in harmony with Christ, here's some of the culture that we will begin to see. If you'll look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Think about that. Think about the text, the fruit of the Spirit. It means the product of living in harmony of abiding in Christ abiding in the spirit if you if you are abiding in Christ if you have the spirit of the living God in you if you're obedient to the Holy Spirit if you're living in harmony with the presence of God if you are living as the temple of the Holy Spirit the fruit the byproduct the DNA that that has been birthed in you is love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. We're going to talk about those over the next few weeks, but, you know, we look at it and we say, well, we'd like to have the fruit of the Spirit, but the reality is that product of the Spirit only comes to those that have realized that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and they have learned to abide in Him. To live in harmony with him. The fruit of the Spirit is manifest as long as we are attached to him. This is what Jesus said in John 15, 4. He said this, he said, Abide in me, and I in you. Notice it's a two-way street. You abide in me, and I'll abide in you. You live in harmony with me, and I'm going to live in harmony with you. You're going, if, we're, if we're on the same page, if our hearts are beating in cadence with one another, if we have the same passions, if we have the same desires, if we are abiding together. My wife's not here, so I can say this. If you've been married for any time at all, you're going to realize that there are going to be times that you're going to disagree. You ever do that? Every husband in here is looking like, not me, not me. And you're only doing that because you don't want to be in trouble. Uh, but you get in, sometimes you do that, and, and, and sometimes you, you try the silent treatment, which really doesn't work at all. You know, it's kind of awkward, you know, when there's two people in the house and you're not talking to one another. It's, you know, in our house it lasts about 20 minutes and that's about all we can take. But it, it, it's amazing that if you're not abiding together, if you're not living in harmony, Scripture tells us that, that we must reconcile with one another quickly because... The scripture understands, Christ knows that, that we have to live in harmony with one another if we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit manifest in our life. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, so neither can you except you abide in me. 
We want to be full of love and joy and, uh, and, and peace and goodness and meekness and temperance and faith. But the only way that we can maintain those in our life is if we stay attached to the vine. Because it, it's amazing uh, when, you, when you go and I, I, I trimmed some branches the other day. And, and I trimmed them and, and they looked green but, uh, but I wanted to trim up the tree. And it was amazing. Even after I cut the branch off, it was still green. Isn't that great? For the first day. Second day was a little brown. By the third day, it was ready for the fire. Why? It wasn't attached to the vine. See, when we're, when we're living and abiding in Christ and we're living in harmony with Him and, and, and we have... And we have all of this, the, the attributes, the DNA of the Holy Spirit rolling through us. As long as we're living and abiding in Him, we have a, an, an, a reservoir that will never end of love and joy and peace and goodness and meekness and temperance and faith. And you say, why is it an unending? Why is it overwhelming? It's because that is who God is. And if you're abiding in him, that's what you're going to receive. That's what you're going to produce because you're abiding in the spirit. You're abiding, you're living in harmony with him. But if I decide to, to disobey the spirit, and if I want to follow my own course, and I want to chart my own path, and I want to do my own thing, and I say, Lord, I, I, I want you to be in my life so I can get out of hell free, but I want to chart my own course and I sever myself from the very presence of God I will keep that those attributes for a time but if I'm wandering under my own strength my joy is going to fade my love is going to diminish my temperance will crumble and fall because I'm not living and abiding in harmony with the Spirit of God. Abide in me and I in you. We are not independent from the source. We are cisterns, not wells. You know what a cistern is? That's an old term, isn't it? A lot of the old houses before they had plumbing would have a cistern. And it was just a, it looked like a well, but it had no other source of water. You had to put water in it to retain it. We're not a well with a natural spring. We have to be constantly filled all the time. The more you use of the love that you have in your life, the more that the Lord needs to pour into you. That, that we are to abide in Him. We are to stay connected to the vine that way we can stay in communion with him abide in me and i in you it takes two jesus said if you abide in me i will abide in you it's never because the Lord doesn't abide in us. And it's never because he doesn't want to be part of our life. It's because the only time that we are not abiding in him is when we decide to pull back. Dwelling in harmony 
requires a passion and desire to follow after him. It's sin that separates us. It's sin that, that promotes a separation, that, that, that we're living in the same temple with the presence of the living God, and yet we're doing our own. If you want to display the culture of the church in your life, if you want to see what that looks like, it begins with God's people. It begins with you and I. And it starts with this very fundamental concept of abiding in Christ. When Christ came to earth, I love how Paul wrote about it in, in, in Philippians. He said, uh, you let this mind or this understanding, this comprehension be in you, which was also in Christ who being in the form of God didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Made himself of no reputation. Took off his regal robes of majesty and donned the flesh of humanity. Why? Writer of Hebrews says it this way. For the joy set before him. He endured the cross and despised the shame. I can't imagine what Christ was feeling when his own creation was making fun of him. In Mark chapter 16, where it talks about the crucifixion, it said those that, that followed Christ up the hill and they watched him crucified were walking back and forth. And they, the scripture uses the term they were wagging their heads, making fun of him. The rulers, the, the spiritual leaders were saying, he saved others, or so he said, but he can't even save himself. Colossians 1 says he is the physical image of the invisible God, that all things were made by him. And the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that, that, that laid aside everything else to dawn humanity was mocked and ridiculed by his own creation and he died a horrific death. And you ask, why would he do that? And scripture only tells us for God so loved the world, loved you and I, see that he died and rose again. And the Bible tells us that on that ninth hour when Christ died, that the, the veil in the temple was split in two, that holiest of holies, that place where the presence of God dwelled to allow everyone in or the presence of God out, however you want to look at it, to live and abide in us. 
You don't have to go to a temple in Jerusalem to find a place shrouded by a veil where the presence of God is. The presence of God is in your heart. Why did Christ die? Just to give us eternal life? Just to say, wow, I look what I did for you? No, there was a passion, there was a drive, there was a commitment, there was a deep longing for, to, because he loved humanity, that he wanted to abide with us. And here we are, the people of God, the, the very children of the living God, the only creation that God has ever created that he has called his sons and daughters, and he has invited us into a relationship with him that's not just external it's not like oh this is my father's world but i am the temple of the holy spirit and he has invited us into this symbiotic relationship with him that we can abide we can commune we can have fellowship with the creator of the heavens and the earth The scripture tells us that, that the Holy Spirit in our life is a down payment. The Bible talks about it, it's the earnest of our inheritance. Sometimes if you're going to buy a house or you're going to do something, sometimes they, they want earnest money. That's, that's just to let you know how sincere you really are. You know, so if you're buying a house for for however much, sometimes they want you to put a, a few thousand dollars down as earnest money to let them know, yes, I'm serious, I'm all in. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit is the earnest, it's the down payment of our inheritance. It's small, no matter how great uh, that you have felt the presence of God in your life, no matter how God has manifest himself to you, no matter how great and glorious the the church services that you have been in or, the, or those prayer meetings or the times that God has visited you. It is just a drop in the bucket compared to the glory and the majesty that awaits you. You know why we're going to get a new body? And you say, oh, oh, pick me, pick me, I know. We're going to get a new body. One, one reason is because this one's mortal and we're going to have an immortal one that's not going to die, not going to get tired. Not going to have to have knees replaced. Another reason is when you receive the inheritance, not the earnest of your inheritance, but the inheritance of a full measure of the Spirit of God in you. This body would be consumed. This body cannot handle the majesty and the glory that awaits us. We have to have a new body that is going to be stronger and better equipped to handle the very presence of God that we are going to be living and dwelling in forever. You say, well, uh, I like when I feel the presence of God now. Wait until you get there. 
See, we're, we're, we're commissioned, we're called, we're, we're begged by the scripture to draw close to him and gather as much of the Holy Spirit in our life as we can. Why? Because we're abiding in him. We're learning to live in communion with him. But as close as we can get to him here, it's just the earnest of what we're going to receive there. I want to encourage you today, as our praise team comes, to abide in Christ. And you say, well, well I would like to get on with the, with the culture of the church. I would too. But before we get there, before we start talking about the culture of the church and, and what it should look like to the outside world, what it should look like inside the church, what, what we can expect and what we should see, it all begins right here by abiding in Christ, by living in harmony with Him. But where He leads... Can I ask you a, a question? You say, well, Pastor, you're going to ask it anyway, I know, but I like to be polite. Is there anything that's keeping you from abiding in Christ? If there is, made them statement several times and because I believe it to be true that we are as close to God as we want to be. See, God's not withholding his presence from us. Sometimes we keep his presence at an arm's length. Is there something that we could change our thinking about? Is there something that we could set aside and that we could allow the presence of God to have supremacy in our lives that we could abide in him when we partake in communion in just a few moments we're going to remind ourselves of the broken body and the and the blood that was shed for our salvation for our justification being made right in the eyes of God and, 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 and we're looking forward to that glorification of being transformed to be like Christ but in between that justification and that glorification we're walking this life in, in this process called sanctification where we're growing to be more and more and more like him each and every one of us change constantly wonder today as we remember what he did for us and it and it wasn't just so so we could have just be justified and it wasn't just so that we could be glorified but Christ died for us and cleansed us and made us the temple the presence of the living God in this world so that that we could be sanctified that we could become more and more and more like him but that only happens when we learn to abide 
live in harmony with him. Is there any disharmony? You know, there's my wife and I, we, we hardly ever disagree. There, I have to confess, there's been times I have provoked arguments because I like to make up. That you, that you have decided you were going to do your own, chart your own path, and you've excluded the Lord from it. Would you just turn around and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am today. You're not going to find the Lord distant from you or giving you the silent treatment, but he is going to love you and comfort you and bless you and minister to you because as much as you want him, he really, really wants to abide 